touchline takes. Touchline Takes Podcast. Excuse me for being excited, people. Welcome back, everyone, to an episode of Touchline Takes. Today, we got a special one for you. We are joined by Minnesota women's soccer, Andrea Yak. Andrea, thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me on. And Andrea, I... so. I actually have to ask, first of all, um, I heard your name on a podcast. That was how I learned how to pronounce it. Am I getting that right, though? I just no, you I didn't want to perpetuate something. I actually, in my head, I was like, did I email them how to pronounce the name? Because you said it correctly. So that was perfect. That, that was like the first thing I asked when like, we jumped on this before you got on. I was like, wait a second. Like, how do you pronounce her name? Like, I don't yeah. want to mess no, that no, up. Like, no, he nailed it. It's soft perfect. with a Y in front of it is the easiest way to remember it. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Well, so Andrea, uh, you are in charge of the effort to start a USLW league club in Minnesota. Um, as we were just discussing, it's currently nameless, um, but that's that's <laughs> due to something pretty important that we'll get to. Uh, but what we like to do is uh, we like to first give a pop quiz to all of our, our uh-huh. interviewees. Uh, what first got you started in soccer? Did you play growing up? Did you kind of come to it later in life? What was the, what was your experience like? So uh, my I am the I'm first generation American and my parents are immigrants and I grew up in Baltimore and sports became the way that my dad was trying to assimilate to being in America. So we spent a lot of time going to sports. Uh, We lived near Memorial Stadium. So we went to Colts games. We went to indoor soccer, the Baltimore Blast. They were the best. Celebrate, still my favorite song, Um, Orioles. And so the experience of going to sports as a young girl with my dad was amazing and taught me that you could just make best friends with the person next to you, even though you had nothing in common. And so as I get older and kept experiencing things, the Orioles won the World Series when I was 15. And, you know, we went to the stadium at two in the morning to wait for them to come back. It just, it brought me so much joy, but it also brought me so much connection with people. And I saw what it did for my dad to break down the language barrier. And I just wanted to work in sports. So I've always wanted to be in sports. And then I had an opportunity um, partway through my career to go to Minnesota United. And so that was my first time fully in soccer. I had been taking my kids, honestly, to Minnesota Stars games and Thunder games. And my boys learned what a keg stand was in the parking <laughs> lot of the um, National Sports Center when they were about 13 after a 4th of July game. Oh, and yeah, and I never quite understood why other moms actually gave me their kids because that was the kind of important thing that they learned with me. So yeah, it's always just been a part of my life. And then I came into soccer and again, with that immigrant background, it just felt like the place I wanted to be. Well, that's awesome. Yeah, no, that's really cool. And I mean, I guess sort of to start, you mentioned how you worked with Minnesota United and stuff. Did you ever see any vision of getting involved with women's soccer while you were there? Was that sort of something you had in mind or did it just all of a sudden sprout out of nowhere? <laughs> um, it didn't. It was around and there was interest. I have to say we were so fully immersed in working to get United to MLS at the time that that kind of 
took every waking thought. We were bidding to try to be the team that moved up. My first real experience working completely in women's soccer was I was lucky enough to work on the Women's International Champions Cup a few years ago. And we were down in North Carolina and I'm literally holding the door for Jessica McDonald and Crystal Dunn. And I got a chance to do a jersey presentation with Megan Rapinoe. And I had, I realized that for the first time in my career, I was promoting women. And that was ridiculous because I had been in sports for a long time and I was so excited. And my husband will tell you, it was the giddiest I have ever been about meeting athletes. I've literally been covering sports since I was 19 and I was never sending home pictures. And at one point he told me I had to lay off Jessica McDonald because he was afraid I was going to get arrested for stalking. (laughs) He's like, you you gotta like bring it down a notch. Um, And so when I was around them and I realized how much the sport was growing, it really made me realize I could spend the rest of my career actually promoting women and a sport mm-hmm. that I love and what an amazing way it will be to to give back to our community, to give back to Minnesota, and really to give back to other women who have supported me. And so we've, we've seen a lot of growth in the women's side of the sport, I, I think, especially in the last probably two to three years uh, on the club side, I would say, is where we've seen a lot of that growth. Um, and with that, was that sort of what got the idea in your head? I mean, um, what, what started this whole idea when you finally had the idea of starting a club in Minnesota? So it was, it was very much group think, um, two gentlemen, Matt Pervarsky and Wes Berdine, uh, put the original group together. We, we went to a park, we sat six feet apart. It was during the pandemic. There was about 20 of us at the first meeting saying, Hey, we're thinking about exploring, bringing a women's team to town. Who's in. And out of that came a group of founders, what we call ourselves. And we just decided that we were going to go for it. So we started interviewing leagues. All these leagues had announced intentions of starting a women's league. So we, We started meeting with all of them, and the USLW was the one that was most aligned with our vision for equality and diversity and opportunity for women on and off the field. But most importantly, we told them no one was going to be able to write a big check, and we needed to be a community-owned team. And they said, bring it on. And for us, that was the difference maker because they weren't scared of what we were proposing. You know, we were just a, a group of citizens that really wanted to bring a women's soccer team to town. And we, the community ownership model was something we really believed in, but mm-hmm. we needed the league to believe in it too, right? We, mm-hmm. we needed a league to say, okay, we get it. Nobody's going to write a big check, but we're in this with you. Mm-hmm. Let's go. And so from there, it's just been a race. Was there any sort of, I mean, fear for you guys? Because the whole community-based funding and model is, you know, it's a scary thought, you know, when right. you, you first think about it, like on oh, yeah. paper. Um, was there any fear that like the USL wasn't going to go for it, that you weren't going to be able to find a league? Because no, I think we, we should we were... stress that this is this is unusual for a USL. Very yeah, unusual. It, it, luckily, we had a good role model in Detroit City. Um, Detroit mm-hmm. City had done it very successfully. And so we had our homework done when we presented it. So it wasn't, we weren't just sitting in a meeting saying, Hey, we have this idea. Like we knew how we were going to do it. And I think that helped. And the USL, I guess we were good salespeople. We were very convincing. Um, what's been really, really fun is as convincing as we were, all of us were still like, wow, we're really going to do this. <clears throat> and then the day we put the shares on sale and people just jumped in, we 
realize that other people believed mm. in the vision that we believed in. And this wasn't just us being locked in our houses for a while during the pandemic, mm. that we were really onto something. And it's been incredible since then. The response has been amazing. Yeah, it kind of spread like wildfire. I think when I like I, I I feel like I remember the early days of of you guys getting on Twitter, but then it just like took off. And I, I'm not sure what like I obviously you guys are doing so many things right, but like there's still something that I'm like, how did this take off like this? Well, and some of it is I'm really fortunate that I've worked with some amazing people in soccer across the United States. Um, Lori Lindsay, for instance, who's just an incredible athlete and role model is someone that I, I knew. And so when we started reaching out to people that we knew, not just me, but other members of the board and said, hey, would you be open to helping us? Everyone said yes. So there is a episode of the Soccer Cooligans where Christian's wearing our t-shirt and our scarf is behind his head. And locally, we had a lot of athletes locally and celebrities that were all in. Let's do what we can. And even today, Cheryl Reeve, who is the head coach for the Minnesota Lynx, just got named the head coach for U.S. women's basketball for the Olympics. She was one of the first ones to hold up her scarf and tell the team we're supporting this. So on the day we announced, you know, she's there, the Minnesota Lynx are there. And I think that helped a lot. Like we just had a lot of people jump in right away and say, yes, we were also the first one to ask. So that helps a little bit too. <laughs> like we, we got out there first, but people were really excited about what we were proposing. It's like and very truly grassroots. It was very, very grassroots. And again, our, our timing was great. Um, mm -hmm. We owe a lot to those brave NCAA athletes that took video during the Final Four last year and showed exactly how inequitable the world is for uh, women's sports. Mm -hmm. And that started a firestorm and started huge conversations across the United States. And we were able to come in and say, look, if this is upsetting you, what's happening over here, here is a very concrete way you can fix it mm -hmm. and help and help create the next generation. And I think timing wise, it just caught people's imagination. Do you, you know, obviously when you first started this, you probably have sort of expectations of how much you're going to raise, how much support you're going to see. Do you wake up in the morning and kind of like have to pinch yourself because you see it, <laughs> the numbers and you see it, you know, when you're seeing all these professional athletes and kind of big personalities promote you guys was that something you ever envisioned especially this early we i'm in marketing so i was expecting to be able to get the support from the celebrities like I, I knew that they would want to help us what has been incredible to me is the everyday people the people mm. who have said to us they need to wait until they get paid on friday in order to buy their shares and to me that's what i wake up in the morning or, or i run into people in a bar and they come over and tell us they're a community owner and they're so proud. Or we went to watch the U.S. men's national team game a couple of weeks ago and there were people wearing our scarves walking around that I didn't know. Like they weren't my mom, you know, they, they weren't wow. my, my book club friends. They were so people. Cool. And as people have been posting their pictures, um, as they get their scarves, like we don't know them. And to me, that mm -hmm. is the thing. It's, it's one thing if I ask somebody for a favor that I've worked with, it's a completely different thing that a stranger believes in what we're doing and and invested in us and said, I, I believe in you and I want to be a part of this. And to me, that's the part that I pinch myself. Yeah, I think I legitimately believe that at this point, uh, not even women's soccer, just soccer in general in the United yeah. States, this most might be the most interest in a pre-professional club 
that's yeah. that's out there right now like I, I you know maybe even above that we again we've been very um our timing has been really really good and we've had some mm -hmm. fabulous friends we're also we're very ambitious you know we mm -hmm. yeah could have just kept this here in the Twin Cities, but we knew this community ownership story was going to be of interest across the United States. And it's a little bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? You start getting a few people interested and then other people look and go, oh, wow, that kind of looks cool. I want to help tell that story. And then each landmark that we've had along the way, so announcing the community ownership, hitting different marks during that, and then the voting process for the name, all of those are fun and they're happy and people can get behind them and there's nothing political about it. And mm -hmm. that helps too, right? Pe people feel safe in this space, unless you hate one of our team names or you're in favor of one and not the other. Well, I guess, I guess we should then mention that that, that is a big part of, of what's happening right now is that uh, you are truly involving the, um, this is probably good, uh, yeah. the, the owners of the team uh, <laughs> and allowing them an opportunity to forge the path of the club uh, and have have yep. a vote in in what that is, and so right now, um, I'm I'm a I've been kind of busy. I'm a little out of the loop, but I think okay. I voted on one of the final three names. Yeah, have, have we moved past that? Do you have any updates for us in that regard? Um, so we extended the voting deadline until the 11th because we had such a flurry of last minute investment once we showed the brands that it pushed us right over the top as far as investment goes. And so we have to get all of those people's paperwork processed and get mm. them a ballot because we really, we truly want everybody to vote. So the voting has been extended to the 11th. The top three names are Aurora, Minnesota Aurora FC, Arctic Minnesota, and oh my god, I'm totally blank. Oh, Foxfire. Foxfire, <laughs> That's yeah. Our third yeah. Name. That's Foxfire. it. I, I was trying to think of it too. Yep. And we released last Tuesday, we released what our design concepts are around mm -hmm. each of those. And that was really fun. And again, another huge spike in attention. The, the designers did an incredible job. And there have been some not great designs released recently by teams across the U.S. <laughs> and um, so I think people were really excited to see these designs, which were fresh and different, all done by female um, local designers here in Minnesota. Awesome. So staying true to our mission of giving people a chance who have not been in this space before. All three of the women mm -hmm. are soccer fans. Uh, one of them is our co-founder and is on our board and she played at the University of Minnesota. And people get really, really excited about them. So did you vote? Yeah, I have to ask. You. I did. I did. Yeah. Okay. What did you vote for? Do you want it? You want to know? Okay. Uh, oh yeah, I, I totally want to. I did Foxfire first. Okay. I just, I like that. There's something about it. It's catchy. Um, I can say it a lot and like, I like it. Uh, and then I think I did Arctic second, which I've seen a lot of backlash on people are like, there's no penguins in the Minnesota. Polar bear, yeah, the polar bear. Like, you know what? Know. It's pretty cold. Might as well be. It, it's nine right now. It's if a polar bear walked across my front yard, I wouldn't be surprised. Exactly. <laughs> and then I did uh, Aurora third. Uh, but okay. I was like also on Twitter stating that I thought I would really like to see a cross between the Foxfire uh, name and the Arctic logo. So, uh, you know, I was one of those people putting a, a bunch of ideas out there. But awesome. I do want to also mention that I'm glad that we finally had somebody in marketing back up our thoughts on some of the bad logos we've seen recently because <laughs> we're just two idiots. So it's good to see a professional no. share the opinion. Yeah, I just we every time somebody's released a logo recently, we've been like, mm -hmm. OK, that any of our three. We're good. And honestly, like part of it is too, there's been misfires. Even if your logo is looks on paper, like, you know, 
there was a team, you know, that released a logo that resembled a gang. Um, and then there was the whole Columbus crew right. thing where they mm -hmm. literally had to redo the entire thing because they pissed everybody off. And the day that started exploding on Twitter and I'm like, what, what's going on in Columbus, right? You're expecting a fire at the stadium when you see Columbus crew trending that fast and then you realize, yeah. oh, okay. So the, the great thing about having community owners is we, we have a group keeping us honest immediately, mm -hmm. right? And so mm -hmm. that's one of the things that I think if some of the teams had maybe shopped around some of their logos, that would not be what we see, but we have the benefit of being able to shop ours around and get everybody's feedback and everybody gets to vote. And it's been a great experience. So, oh, you froze. We have you back. Oh, sorry. Yep. Okay. No problem. All right. It's that cold weather up in Minnesota. Yeah. It must be. <laughs> yeah. It's freezing the internet, the internet lines. Um, Andrew, we have to ask though, and obviously we understand if you can't answer, but is there okay. one you prefer more than the other? Um, there is one I prefer more than the other. Okay. Okay. All right. <laughs> we'll we'll leave it at that. We'll let the the yeah. listeners' yeah. imagination. Yeah. Uh, I, I, go. I like I like all of them. Um, mm -hmm. What's funny in my house, I have two adult sons, and they bought their own shares because they wanted their votes counted separately. Um, so we're we're actually a split household right now. And uh -oh. it, yeah, it's pretty funny. Um, and all of their friends bought shares, and it's become quite the good conversation. I love all of them and I will wear and happily promote whatever it is um, of the whole group. I had one name that I really liked that didn't make it. I really liked Vortex mm -hmm. and Vortex that didn't make good. it. Yeah, it was pretty good. That did not make it to the top three. It was fourth in the voting. And um, so if anybody is questioning that we're being very straightforward about the voting, I am a founder, I am the team president, and I couldn't get my name through. So oh, no. we, we are definitely honoring what everybody is waiting for. So you know, I, you mentioned earlier, um, sort of, you know, you brought up the NCAA when it comes to women's sports and what happened last year um, at the NCAA tournament. Um, you're seeing it with the NWSL, you know, unfortunately, all these stories that are coming up about mm -hmm. the abuse from coaches. Um, now that you're fully getting involved in the women's game, what are some sort of improvements you hope to see getting involved and sort of hope to see in the future um, as the sport continues to grow? For me, I think the biggest thing is I just want the women to have a voice and to feel, I, I, I've been in this business for a really long time. And for the mm -hmm. most part, I'm the only female at the table. And so I, people have asked me, you know, why don't these athletes feel comfortable coming forward? It's like, th there actually are repercussions and there have been repercussions for women that speak up and step right. out of line. And I've seen it happen all over sports. So it's only recently that women feel like they can say something. And frankly, that all the men are listening, right? That that you all and my husband and my boys and everything else is that you're all recognizing that we haven't had a voice. So mm -hmm. what I want is create an entire group of women who have the experience and the confidence to be in the room, sharing their ideas, being heard, and not being considered to be out of line, right? I, I, I want right. to give them experience in a front office and on the field where they can ask questions, they can feel safe not knowing things. And if we're screwing something up, that we create a structure that is really easy for them to call us. Mm -hmm. um, we, we're really excited about our coaching candidates and we hope to have that announced next week. And part of what our coaches know in our interview process is this is not just about 
those, you know, minutes on the field. This is about training these women to go forward and have more skills in life than they had when they arrived. It's bigger than the game. It is much bigger than the game, right? If I think about when I was 23 years old, trying to break into sports and how I was treated, it just was just not going to happen on my watch, whatever I can do to make that happen. And we've created an environment already. Every decision we make is, can we find women designers? Can we find female photographers? We're researching right now, female owned vendors for t-shirts and scarves. And it may not work all the time. Like Mm -hmm. our scarves, the company that turned those around really quickly, like they could get it done, but wherever we can be thoughtful about women and minority businesses, we want to walk the walk and Mm -hmm. through all of that, we will make change. Definitely. And and we've lamented, uh, you know, I I can't even count how many times on here when we've talked about NWSL and and that in conjunction with how successful the United States women's national team has been, how that hasn't trickled down into management at NWSL. So it's, it's really refreshing to see that that approach that you're taking to really incorporate women, not just in the the playing staff, but in the back of the house, in coaching, just everything around the club. So that's that's really exciting to see. And we've been kind of like beating the drum on that for, for quite a while now. Um, but what I think I would also like to ask about is we're now seeing sort of a shift from the United States being the focus of women's professional soccer to the rise of quite a few European leagues, whether that's mm-hmm. the um, the Super League in England, uh, the powerhouse that is um, OL in uh, France. What what kind of what are your thoughts about about how the landscape is changing? Um, are you excited for things like the USL Super League starting up? Yeah, I'm excited for the Super League. I was excited on Sunday. Um, we had two different TVs going on in our house, and my husband was watching. You know, he had Arsenal women and Arsenal men on at the same time. Um, you know, to see those FA Cup numbers were amazing. Mm-hmm. And the more I think that the American women are going back and forth also helps the American audience realize that, oh, wow, this is really happening everywhere. Mm-hmm. And then I think the more that those teams are coming over here, like they were for the WICC, and I know NWSL had a cup in August, just increases all of our exposure and it gives people choices, right? And that's right now for women's sports, we just want to be one of the choices, right? We're not I'm not telling you to give up your NFL team whatsoever. I I will sit and yell at the Vikings for three hours on a Sunday. No problem. But there's room for all of us. And it doesn't have to be every minute of every day. Just be a part of what we're building because the sky's the limit. It's Mm -hmm. a big world and there's a lot of people. I, I, I think that speaks right to sort of what we've seen in the growth of women's soccer, not just in the U.S., but globally over the last few years. I mean, um, I, I think you're starting to see that gap close when it comes to national teams playing against the United States women's team. I mean, unfortunately for us, because we want them to win all the time. But um, I think you're you're seeing a lot of countries start to pay much more attention um, to the women's game and to the growth of the women's game and promote these women at a professional level. Um, and I mean, I even in the US, you see all these new women's leagues starting up. So it's sort of, I think, like this global growth of the women's game and sort of empowering women soccer players, you know, to be sort of the face of the sport. 
Yeah. And it's, it's really, it's a beautiful game when the women play it. It is different than how mm -hmm. the men play it. You know, you, mm -hmm. you look at some of these women, oh my God, are they tough? Like they're so tough and they keep playing. And then you think about the fact that some of them are mothers, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah. they get done playing and then they have to go home and feed the baby and change the diapers and things like that. And to me, the, they're just beautiful in their sport and the way they conduct themselves. And we owe so much to the U.S. Women's National Team. They, they have showed us how to be celebrities, how to be successful, how to win and lose gracefully, mm -hmm. and really how to get everybody celebrating them. They were here in October. I can't remember now. I think we were playing Korea. I can't even remember who it was. It was a friendly. The mm -hmm. place was jammed. It was Carly Lloyd's mm -hmm. last game. All 18,000 tickets sold. People were there hours early. I think I was still in the stadium at least an hour after the game was over chatting with people. We were still clapping for Carly. And that's amazing. That is an amazing thing to have that many people knowing what was happening, that it was her last game, mm -hmm. right? It's just so different than even 10 years ago. And a lot of that is the U.S. Women's National Team. They, they mm -hmm. deserve so Definitely. much credit for what they've done. I, and I think even more than that, they've shown, you know, I think the big thing, it's okay to be outspoken. It's okay mm -hmm. to speak up for issues, you know, that need to be discussed and need to be talked about that I feel, you know, a lot of women have been afraid of speaking up about for a lot of years. Yeah. And I think what I've realized, and I, if you haven't read Megan Rapinoe's book, I highly recommend that. It's a great, it's a great book, but it talks, she talks about how she got to the process of feeling like she had a voice. Mm -hmm. um, and actually Lori Lindsay, she gives Lori Lindsay a lot of credit in the book for saying, this is your moment, you know, you can do it. And for me, because I have been around for a long time, and I now realize that the people that are in my world are okay when I speak up, they're expecting me to speak up mm -hmm. and that nothing bad is going to happen to me. Yeah. You know what? Somebody's going to yell at me at Twitter. I, I had a Twitter fight with a dude a couple of weeks ago about Dennis, he, he was talking about Dennis Rodman's daughter. And I was like, how about calling her Trinity Rodman? Right. <laughs> and then mentioning that she happens to be Dennis Rodman's daughter, but she's Trinity mm -hmm. Rodman. Like, listen, right. and, and then a couple guys came back after me. just like, that wasn't what he meant to say. And I'm like, well, sorry, but she has a name. Um, right. I don't care about that stuff anymore. Don't follow me. Right. Don't follow me. I don't care. I, we have built something special here with Minnesota women's soccer that people believe in. And if you don't want to be a part of it, it's fine, completely fine. We have a lot of friends right now and it's exciting. Mm -hmm. And for the first time in my career, in my life, I, I do feel inspired for doing the right thing, standing up and not having to be quiet in the room. And it's, I'm going to go out guns a blazing at some point. And I'm going to piss well, somebody off probably, but it's okay. Well, before that happens, um, so we've <laughs> kind of talked about how, how things have been moving forward, but uh, there's still a lot of progress to be made. So mm -hmm. for Minnesota women's soccer specifically, um, hope soon to have a name. Uh, what, what, what do you sort of see as a, a measurement of success? What are some of your goals for say the next five or six years, things that your club can personally do to change the game. And you've already mentioned um, hiring a lot of female staff. What are some other areas that you would like to see uh, progress be made in? Well, I mean, we do want to win. So I would be, you know, <laughs> not doing, yeah, we, we do want to win. Actually, I would love to lift that trophy the first season. Um, we really, if we are successful, when we are successful, one, we will have been financially responsible with the money mm -hmm. that everybody gave us. We need to release our financials every year because mm -hmm. we are a, an investment company, community ownership. I'll so we want to be able them. to release our financials at the end of the year and have everybody say, 
they were responsible. Like, we're really glad we invest our money here. We also really want to use that money to make sure that we're in the community so that our, our games are accessible for everybody. If we have to run buses in order to get to our games for families that maybe don't have transportation, we would like to be active in camps and the community and truly have open tryouts. One of our missions and one of the things we're going to do with the money is we are not going to charge our players registration fees. We are going to cover the cost of their housing. And we are going to make sure that they have whatever they need to be on our team or to come try out for our team. So that if we hear about a player that's on a full college scholarship that would really like to come here and we have a position open for that player, we'll, we'll make sure she can get here. We, we don't want it to just be the people that can buy the plane tickets mm -hmm. and you know the housing and everything else. We, we want to make this an equal playing field and the same thing for jobs in the front office. We really hope that we will give people opportunities that maybe otherwise wouldn't have gotten them because they didn't even know they could. Right. They, they didn't know internships were a thing or they didn't know that going and working game day was going to look really good on a resume. And so by just hammering all the time and, and physically being out in the community, I think we will be successful. And if we can do all of those things in five years and our coaches are off coaching in the NWSL and our players are playing around the world and our front office people have all gone on and are running the world, we will consider this whole thing incredibly successful. Well, and I do have to ask one question. I know there's, it's so early. This is probably a dumb question, but you know, and it might just be a, a, a very obvious answer to if the situation presents itself, would you like to move to the USL Super League? The way we answer that question is if you had told us a year ago that we were going to have a fully funded community owned women's soccer team, we would have all said that you're crazy. And so at this point, we just are going to be open to whatever the future holds for us. Right now, we need to build this team. Mm -hmm. But this has been a wild ride. So everything is possible. I'll take that. I think we're just very <laughs> excited for it. So we're, we're trying to learn as much as we can about, yeah. you know, what's going mm -hmm. on behind the scenes and what kind of ambitions are, are out there. Um, you also mentioned that you were involved with, I'm going to, I'm going to kind of delve a little bit into maybe just more your interest in the sport. Uh, mm -hmm. so you mentioned that you were involved with the, the ICC, uh, mm -hmm. and we've kind of, we've had some iterations of that on the, on the women's side. What, what would you like to see more of in, on that front? Um, you know, I, I know there was like, I believe there was one in 2012 through 2014, there was like a women's world cup, club world yeah. cup. And then there was a WICC in what, 2019? They did 20, 2018, 2019. And then they did actually do one in 2020. They, oh, they, they did, were okay. in Port Yeah, they had four teams in Portland. Mm -hmm. I, I, so there's so much joy in bringing those teams from overseas to America. Uh, on the men's and the women's side, I was mm -hmm. really fortunate to work um, on the women's side or the men's side too for a few years. And hopefully in the future, you know, ICC will be back. But there is something so special about bringing these teams and these players over, like a Wendy Renard, who you've only seen on TV and you've been wearing their gear and you've been buying their stuff, but you're never going to be able to go to Europe. And then they show up here. And yes, everybody knows it's preseason and everybody knows that it's friendly, but they're still live in person, right? Mo Salah is still taking his picture with you and your kid because you drove to Ann Arbor to see them. That's yeah. a very real sports experience. And the more of that that can happen, it's, it's great for the whole 
sport, right? It, it's great for young kids to see these women. It's great for everybody to see soccer on the level of a Harry Kane and, you know, Son. And it, it's just mind boggling when you get to see that live and in person. So I just want to see more of it because we all can't go to Europe. Totally agree. And, you know, especially any chance to get OL over here too. And I think the reason why I've mentioned OL a couple of times, if, if people aren't aware, is that uh, their owner, I, I'm blanking on his name. I think it's like Alice or something like that has put so much investment into the women's game and here too uh with um it's uh ol rain as well yeah so um it's just it's just cool to see what else is happening in other parts of the world you know we have you here uh showing what can be done at the grassroots level and we have that showing what can be done all the way at the top of the game it's it's very exciting to see where things are headed and really, the owners kind of figured it out first, right? All the mm-hmm. owners started crossing the ocean and invest, you know, Fenway Sports. Everybody, you need a chart to figure out who owns what when you start putting all the American leagues together with all of the European leagues. It's like, woo, everybody's related. Mm-hmm. So the more all of the big boys and girls are chatting with each other and realizing that we can all do this together, mm-hmm. I think the better it is. And then there's so many unexplored, you know, countries that, I think mm-hmm. we'll all start coming on board. And, you know, in Minnesota, we're particular to the Iceland national team because they gave us the skull chant. Um, <laughs> that right, we right. Use. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, so I think, I just think it's, there's so much possibility and with all the media now, right. And mm-hmm. all the channels mm-hmm. and Paramount and everything else, show it all, give it all to us. Let us all right. choose. Yeah, no, the, the sport has never sort of felt more global than it is now, both on the men's side and the women's yeah. side. I mean, um, I can't imagine when I was a kid, you know, just waking up and not having to, you know, scan through all the channels to see yeah. if they're showing just one of the games I wanted to see that weekend. Now you buy a subscription and you can get every single game. Right. So it feels a lot more accessible um, for the younger generation to help grow the sport. Well, and it's hard too. like, if you're on Twitter, like today, I really had a lot of work to do. And then all of a sudden I started seeing the champion league tweets come in and I'm like, no, I can't turn on my TV. Like I need to work, but it, it's great. There's soccer. I was even laughing with my husband on Monday. He's a poor, sad Arsenal fan. He came home early <laughs> to watch Arsenal Everton. And so I'm on Twitter and I'm watching the game with him and I'm thinking everybody I know is watching this game and it's a Monday afternoon at two o'clock. Right. But that's such a cool thing. Right. It's it's no soccer fans are not in the closet anymore. We're all out here admitting that we're watching soccer on a Monday afternoon. It's beautiful. Well, exactly. And I, I mean, you know, we've got the Premier League, which just I think NBC bid three oh. billion over like four or five years for, for the overseas rights. But more just more Rebecca. Rights. Yeah. Yeah. I and I more mean, Rebecca, that's all I we, want. And we have we have grassroots uh, women's soccer. Uh, I I checked this morning, and it looks it looks like the total was one million one hundred seventy eight thousand that you guys have raised. Just crazy numbers that I, I think even ten years ago people would have shook their heads they and said, yeah no they, they would have laughed and said you know and e- even you said like a year ago you guys never would have expected being sort of seeing this much support seeing this much you know just sort of you know backing it, it's actually kind of funny because my wife's from brazil and she was telling me like hey did you hear about this you know grassroots women's soccer club <laughs> And because she saw like in her Brazilian media on Twitter, that sort of thing. So like, you know, it's sort of a global thing. It's become like sort of this story of grassroots. This is what you can build with community support. Because, you know, I think 
a lot of fans of a lot of clubs is like, like you sort of mentioned with the rebranding. They're like, what are you doing? Like, if you were to ask three fans, they would have been like, we both said no. Yeah. No, no, nobody would have agreed to this. So, you know, what you and what, you know, sort of the community has done and is continuing to do in Minnesota, I think is definitely sort of, you know, it, it, it's the picturesque of what everybody wants in a professional sports club. Not just soccer, but I think, you know, any you look at any sport, like this is what the community yeah. and the fans want. We all would like to be in the room when some of the decisions are made. And we, we know we're going to have some rough moments, right? We're going to have to make decisions about players and coaches, and we're not going to be able to take that all out for a vote to our community owners. But we hope that along the way, they will have built trust in us mm -hmm. so that when we do have to make those hard decisions, they know that we're doing it in the club's best interest. And we've fielded a lot of calls from communities around the world over the last couple of months asking how we did it. And so we've been sharing as much as we can about our experience with WeFunder and kind of where the hard parts are and things to watch out for. And we hope that we've inspired other communities. We would love to see this become a model. Is it gonna become a model in the Premier League? No, probably not. I, I don't know that you can get community ownership for, I think I just saw the new MLS expansion fee is 40 million or 50 million or something. Pocket change. Like yeah, for Vegas. Or something crazy 100 million. Now, I, yeah. I saw it in the commissioner's um, state of the league address yesterday. So we probably won't see it there, but that doesn't mean you can't build something in your community, right? And, and when we have our first game, I am just so excited because it's going to feel like we're having a party with our family and everybody is our friends because we're all cheering for the same thing, right? We're going to all want these women to succeed. And I think mm -hmm. that's going to be so special and it's going to be a new level of sports fandom that we haven't experienced. And it's why Detroit mm -hmm. City is so successful. Like those fans are crazy, but <laughs> they, own, they own the team. So they, they want to be there all the time and we want to create the same excitement agreed i mean you've got the the 50 plus one clubs um the the mm -hmm. 50 plus one ownership model in germany that's very successful and in, in, in breeds very passionate fan bases uh you mentioned detroit city uh you've got chattanooga chattanooga all very yep. all very inspiring uh we're, we're very inspired by you even more so now um you. you know we we thank you so much for for coming on the pod with us and and sharing the vision uh, the the buzz, the everything about Minnesota women's soccer. Once again, soon to have a name. Keep, soon to have keep a name. posted yep. on Twitter, everyone, because uh, Minnesota women's That'll soccer. That'll be January, is very so you, you don't have to refresh every day. We we won't announce the January. We need to finish the voting, go to legal, mm -hmm. tweak the designs, <laughs> and and then come out in January. We also need to have cool merch ready to sell. Oh, of course. of course, gotta have that. Ready. Gotta have that. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us, and uh, you know we we will be continuing to follow everything that happens we will be refreshing so other people don't have to we'll we'll be constantly checking in on what's going on on twitter and sharing it with people so uh if you don't want to spend your day refreshing follow us follow minnesota women's soccer and uh the updates will be there for you so thank you so much yeah thank you so much first of all thank you for being a community owner it's awesome to have you i hope you'll come up for our first game and maybe other games but uh, yeah it's great to meet you all we really appreciate your interest thank you andrea thank you so much have a good one